Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is Reading Women, a podcast where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 51, where we're talking about memoirs. Hi, Kendra. Hello, Autumn. Very excited to talk about memoirs. We love memoirs. I don't really know how it happened, but we have read a lot of memoirs this year. We have, and I think just for me, it's like you're actually listening to a woman tell her story, and I think that's definitely something that's been missing in literature. Yes, and like we've interviewed so many amazing women about their memoirs this year. We interviewed Maggie O'Farrell, and we interviewed Megan O'Connell about her memoir about motherhood. So yeah, it's just been a banner year for memoirs for sure. There's just so many that we're going to talk about, but first we have the news. The news, and this is news that we are both excited about. (laughs) Yes, I screamed when I read the news, and that is N.K. Jemisin won the Hugo for The Stone Sky. And this is a big deal because she's the first person to win the Hugo for Best Novel three years in a row. And she's the first person to win a Hugo for an entire trilogy and or series. I am so glad this happened because we talked about this on the podcast a couple months ago, right after the Stone Sky came out. And we were saying, oh, we hope she gets the the Triple Crown Award. And she did it. She did. Yeah, the Triple Crown Award. That's basically what we're calling it. Uh, Because it is an amazing trilogy. Loved it so much, and I feel like it's so easy for a writer to falter either on the second book or the ending of the trilogy, and both of those are great. It's so good. Like I, So Kendra told me I had to read um, the fifth season, and I was like, okay, I'll read it for you, and I loved <laughs> it. And then I read The Obelisk Gate and was like, oh my gosh. And like, I haven't read The Stone Sky yet, but I've been gushing about it so much that now Josh wants to read the fifth season. I am so proud, Autumn. <laughs> You're making converts. I know. A, it's a male so good. convert. <laughs> and I'm not like a super fantasy person, but this series, oh my goodness. I feel like it's so accessible to people who do not like epic, like high fantasy novels. It's just so much. And I heard someone say that they thought that the series was about X thing. And I can't tell you because that would be a spoiler. But basically, this involves a lot of earthquakes. And they were making speculations about like what time period these books were set in and so on and so forth. And it totally was not. And I want to go back to that person who I don't actually know in person. But (laughs) be like, hey, you should keep reading the series because what you think it's about and you think it's so simple, it's not about. And that is basically how I felt about the entire novel. Like I was like, Oh, it's going to go this way. Nope. Nope. Well, that's the thing that I love (laughs) about it is that the world that she's created is not categorizable. (laughs) I just made up that word Um, (laughs) because it's kind of dystopian, but it's kind of fantasy, but it's kind of sci-fi but it's kind of none of those things. It's just a really great story with really amazing characters. But yeah, this is an amazing book that I feel like it combines elements, as you said, of both fantasy and sci-fi. So it's a type of book that a lot of different people will like. And N.K. Jemisin also has an amazing backlist. I read her Dream Blood duology that she wrote earlier in her career, and it's also amazing. And so N.K. Jemisin tweeted one time, it makes her really happy when people go back and read her backlist and also say it's amazing because it's like she was amazing all along, <laughs> and now people are finally recognizing, and I would have to agree that she was yeah. indeed amazing all along. So just go get them, the end. Yes. 
I feel that's a good summary. <laughs> and the audiobooks are amazing, too. I, I've listened to some of the audio, and or I listened to the second one on audio, and it was very, very, very good. And there's a conversation with the narrator, Raman Miles, who's also African-American, and N.K. Jemison. So I will link that in the show notes, and you can go check out that YouTube video. And I just geeked out and watched it, like, three times. She She's one of my favorite narrators. She does everything so well. She also n- narrates Nettie Okorafor's Binti trilogy. Mm. So, highly recommend. Also, Chubandu so uh, Anuzo's Welcome to Lagos. Oh, yeah. She's an amazing, amazing, amazing narrator. She's in Audible's Hall of Fame for narrators. I'm not surprised. Yeah, her and Scott Brick, who Scott Brick, you know, like, narrates all of the things. So every time I hear his voice, I get confused as to what book I'm in. <laughs> I listen to like a dozen That's books that he's narrated. <laughs> so you oh think of Robin Miles. So definitely go check those out. And that's really our, our main news of this week because she's just so amazing. And we're kind of a lull before the awards that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So we will be talking about those very soon. But now we are going to talk about memoirs and Kendra and I are really interested in talking about memoirs for a lot of reasons especially I think because women or memoirs written by women often I feel like get a bad rap yeah I think that it's you think about self-improvement type memoirs I think a lot of people think of and unfortunately those have a, a negative reputation when in fact there's actually a lot of good ones like Brene Brown is a great one. Yes. Um, but memoirs in general, I feel like maybe because now it's more of a female thing to do is to write a memoir. I don't know. But there's a lot of baggage I, that comes with the word. I Yeah, I think so. And so we f- have found some great memoirs that we love that are interesting and creative and not stereotypical that we're really excited to talk about. So do you want to do the first recommendation? Yes. So mine is actually a collection of essays that are like mini memoirs, and that is Not That Bad, which is edited by our wonderful Roxanne Gay. <laughs> uh, she won our uh, Reading Win Award for nonfiction for her memoir, Hunger, last year. Uh, and this is from her one of her publishers, Harbor Perennial, because she does so many different projects. And uh, I'm just going to say uh, at this segment has a trigger warning because this entire memoir uh, well, this entire collection of essays uh, deals with sexual assault. So if you that's something that you are concerned about, just skip ahead until you hear Autumn's voice, and then you'll know that we have gone up to the next book. Uh, but this is actually an anthology, which means it's written by several different authors, and they're all writing on the same topic, which is their experience as survivors of sexual assault. And this deals with a lot of different authors from different backgrounds, as well as both men and women, which I don't think we hear a lot about. No, not really. And there are types of sexual assault in here that you stereotypically don't think of. You normally think of men uh, assaulting women, but there's also women assaulting women, men assaulting men. There are, are women assaulting men. So it's just a wide range of experiences that people have, and it's just makes you think about how you view things and and what the situation is actually like and why we need uh, why we need more stories about the wide variety of experiences that people have with sexual assault. I haven't read this one yet, but I feel like something like this would be especially relevant right now with all the talk around me too 
And already people are starting to really narrow the types of experiences that fall under that category. So I feel like this would be a helpful context for that discussion as well. I totally agree. And and there's an essay that I keep thinking about, and she says, I used to tell people my story, but then I found that they couldn't handle it and they left me, they quit being my friend, while after assuring me that they could handle it. So I'm not going to tell you my story. I'm going to tell you what my life is like now and how that has affected me. And then that essay just really blew me away because she was calling out people for how they respond to her story and how her telling her story is not a right that you that other people have. It's, it's a privilege that she is telling you the story and that she is allowed to not tell you her story if she doesn't want to. And mm-hmm. that still makes her just as much a survivor as other people. That's a really great point. Yeah, it is a beautiful... Uh, book and I listen to the audiobook and each author narrates their own essay. Oh, that's amazing. It is very amazing. It's very effective and I just wanted to cry so much throughout the book because it was so personal and you could tell with each author narrating these things that happened to them it was just incredibly moving. I would highly recommend this collection and the order in which the essays fall in and the collection that Arxane Gay has edited is just so beautiful. And she's actually only writes the introduction. Oftentimes an editor will insert their own essay in addition to an introduction, but she lets the other authors speak for themselves. So that is Not That Bad, which is edited by Roxane Gay. So my first pick is Heartberries by Therese Marie Myatt. And this book is out by Counterpoint Press. And this is a story that came, or this is a memoir that came out earlier this year. And in it, Therese tells the story of what it was like to come of age on the Seabird Island Indian Reservation in the Pacific Northwest. I think actually in Canada, not in the U.S. And so she kind of talks about the challenges of what it was like to grow, to grow up on an Indian reservation and her she got a diagnosis of PTSD and bipolar and she struggled with lots of addiction throughout her life and she was sexually assaulted as well at some point in her life and it's a short book it's only it's not even 150 pages but it really packs a punch it is incredibly beautiful and one of the things that really impressed upon me was her style. It's it's very raw. And in her interview, she talked about how she had to cultivate that rawness. And it wasn't something that just flowed out. It was something that she had to work on. So that was a very interesting comment on her emotional state as she was writing the book. Yeah, and she kind of, she wrote this book later in her life. And you can really feel as you're reading it that she's had a lot of time to think through a lot of these things. And so it's like, Part of it is like talking about obviously her own or her own mental health and those kinds of things, but also about how indigenous people are portrayed in wider culture. And also like she kind of unpacks as well, like or she correlates being unable to tell her story to the silencing of indigenous people throughout history, which is a really fascinating parallel. And it just really brings in a really unique structure to the book as well. She's so incredibly talented, and when you're reading it, it's you can't believe this is the, her first book. Mm-hmm. It's just so beautiful. Yeah, and I feel like 
shorter work, it's, it's almost harder to write a shorter work than it is to write a longer work, I feel like, in the sense of, like, you have to do so much in so few pages. And so each of the sections reads almost like a mini essay or like a short story in that sense and that she packs so much into it. So she kind of goes through and uh, unpacks like her recovery and kind of how she got to the point to where she is now. She also talks about her experiences at the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe and her process to getting there and how writing really helped her work through a lot of her experiences. And it got a lot of press earlier in the year and there's some really great interviews of her talking about her experiences and uh, representation as an indigenous woman that are really amazing. And I highly recommend you watch any interview you can that she's in. Yeah, and she was cho- the book was chosen as one of Emma Watson's book club picks. Yes. And she was on Trevor Noah's show, The Daily Show. All of these different places that she's been able to interview with. And uh, the book has really taken off and... I'm just so happy for her that she was able to have that success because she talks about like financial problems that she's had in the past in her memoir and different things. And it's so nice to see that her sharing her story has also helped her uh, monetarily and, and make a home for her kids as well. I'm also glad that kind of spearheaded by the Institute of American Indian Arts and other organizations like that, that it seems like writing by indigenous people is experiencing a renaissance, which I think is so, so important and so underrepresented in the literary landscape. And we're actually going to have an episode next year solely devoted to works by indigenous writers. So you'll definitely want to check back for that in a couple of months. We're not sure when it's going to be, but we're really excited to read more books and stories from these perspectives. So that is Heartberries by Therese Marie Myatt by Counterpoint Press. And my next pick, I guess my last pick, is Why Be Happy When You Could Be Normal by Jeanette Winterson, and this is out by Grove. Now, I'm pairing this with the novel Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit because this particular memoir is about the time period on which she wrote the novelization of her life. So she wrote Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit in her 20s, and then she came back in her late 40s, early 50s, and wrote Why Be Happy When You Can Be Normal, which retells that story but from the actual true perspective and she says these are the changes that I made and then she goes beyond the novel's scope and goes to her late like middle age and different things and so Jeanette Winterson is a writer from the UK she grew up in northern England from a working class family and her mom Mrs. Winterson and her dad Mr. Winterson she calls them that that's I'm not trying to be (laughs) anyway as she calls them uh, Mrs. Winterson adopted her and so did Mr. Mr. Winston, obviously. And they had a very dysfunctional marriage, but they adopted her and they actually wanted a boy. But it worked out for whatever, for whatever reason that they adopted Jeanette. And they are very religious. And Mrs. Winterson was very abusive, and she uses her religious faith as an excuse to abuse her daughter in different ways. And she believed the end times were coming. I thought this, this would be a great memoir to talk about since we just talked about Tara Westover and her dad and how both parents use their religious faith to abuse their children. Yes, it's definitely an interesting set of books to read in close proximity. And they are such different, they come from such different faith backgrounds, but the parallels are uncanny. I mean, different continents, different denominations, everything. Yes, and, and both are very moving just reading these books, 
you just can't believe that another human being who's supposed to be a parent of another individual would treat their child like that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's not an exclusive experience, that there are other people around the world also doing similar things. And these women are of different generations, but you can see the parallels with them. For sure. And I would definitely recommend reading Oranges first and then reading Why Be Happy. I'd heard of Why Be Happy before reading it for this episode, Um, but you definitely get a different experience reading the fiction account and then reading the nonfiction account and her explaining the differences between the two. Yeah, I feel like they need to be in a bind-up together at some point in Jeanette Winterson's life. And Jeanette Winterson is more well-known for her fiction. She's written several, several novels and a short story collection called Christmas Days. And actually, Samuel and I listened to them when we were traveling up to my parents for Christmas last year. And we would listen to one a night. And that's the idea is that you listen to one every night. And then Jeanette Winterson has a recipe in the back. So I feel like just seeing where she is now and knowing where she came from, the parallels are just Uh, amazing and the way she tells her story is amazing which is why we're going to discuss this book in our next episode actually both books i mean orange is not the only fruit and why be happy as a pair in our next episode because obviously i could keep talking about this book for hours (laughs) so that is why be happy when you could be normal by jeanette winterson in the u.s that's out from grove so now it's time to talk about this week's sponsor, and that is Bomba Socks. And these are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Yeah, so we were really excited when they reached out to us because they spent two years of research to develop these socks to make them as comfortable and durable as possible. Yes, and they did send us some of these socks, and we got to experience their just wonderful soft cotton that they have it's so comfortable and they stay on your feet they don't slouch and there's like this honeycomb like support system and it like really hugs your feet so that you don't have your socks moving all over the place in your shoes and I've worn them with like boots and converse and all different things and they do their job really well and actually I'm not that much of a sock person but as soon as I put these socks on, I was like, oh my goodness, I think I could actually wear these. <laughs> they were so comfortable. And I've washed them a lot at this point. <laughs> so because I've had them for about a month and they are still soft and great. I feel like some of the soft socks that I buy just wear out after one or two washings. But these are really nice. They come in a bunch of different lengths. So you can have no-show socks, so you can have calf socks, and they are soft, whatever you decide to pick. And they'll come in a bunch of cool colors as well. And the cool thing about Bombas is that for each pair of socks that you buy, they donate one brand new pair of socks to homeless shelters. And so far they've donated over 9 million pairs of socks, which is amazing. So for Reading Women listeners, they've given us a special discount code. If you go to bombas.com, that's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com forward slash Reading Women and enter the code Reading Women, you can get 20% off your first order. And we will be sure to have a link in our show notes as well. So just follow that link and use the code Reading Women for 20% off of your first order. So that brings me to my last pick of this episode, which is Life in Code, A Personal History of Technology by Ellen Ullman. And this book is out by MCD Books, which is an imprint of FSG for our Strauss and Grow. And I will say that this book was sent to me. I didn't know about it until I received a copy from them 
growing up in a household of engineers, like and always being around computers, as soon as I read the back of this book, I knew it was one that I had to read. It is a story of a woman who was a programmer in San Francisco in the 1970s. So it was in the very early stages of computer programming and computers in general. And the this book starts back from her journal entries like in like pretty early on and then works its way up to the present. So it runs a whole scope of topics about technology, um, not just like the sexism that she experienced and the difficulty she had as a woman breaking into the coding world, even back then, even back in the 1970s. But also she brings, she talks about a lot of contemporary issues as well that are actually still really relevant. When you describe it to me, it just sounds absolutely amazing because there just aren't a lot of women, I feel like, in this stem of the sciences. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there really isn't. And I think, too, that you know there is a problem in Silicon Valley with it being a boys club. And she kind of talks about the motivations of a lot of the programmers and how all code reflects the person who programs it. So she explains how, you know, if it's a really sexist culture or a very discriminating culture, how that's going to be reflected in the code, which I think we think that technology is benign, right? That technology doesn't have a gender or a race or anything like that, that it's neutral, but it's not. And so she even talks about some of the things like AI and she talks about gentrification and all kinds of things that are questions that we're, we're still trying to figure out what to do with now. So it's yeah, it came out last August. So it's been out for a year, but it is I am just sad that I didn't read it sooner because it's very very timely. And she also writes fiction as well. So she's not a programmer or she was became a consultant for a lot of IT companies, but she has also written several novels and a lot of essays. So she's really prolific and really a, a joy to read as well. And didn't Carcass pick this as one of its best nonfiction for 2017? It, they did, and they actually compared, um, in their review, they said that, quote, what Anthony Bourdain did for chefs, rest in peace, um, Ullman does for computer geeks. So it's like definitely an insider look at what the computer uh, world is like, and it's a really, it's not dry, like I think a lot of times these books can be a little bit uh, stilted, perhaps, but the narrative is just fascinating, especially because we kind of get to see her her thoughts evolve and unpack in real time, which was really great. So if you're interested in technology or in contemporary culture in any way, I definitely recommend picking up Life in Code, A Personal History of Technology by Ellen Ullman. That brings us to our guest segment. And this month we have a very special guest segment. Uh, I'm excited to uh, say that we have Sachi from Bookstagram. Uh, she, we first heard about her when she was on Anne Bogle's podcast around the time that we were. And one of the things I love about Sachi reviewing books on Instagram is she focuses a lot on Asian American writers because she's half Japanese. And she just has a passion for books and representation that is just beautiful. And her pictures are just gorgeous. Oh, yes. Her Bookstagram is drool worthy for sure. And I might be a little bit biased, but she just adopted a corgi puppy. Her name is Yuki, and uh, she's already cultivating Yuki's taste in books. And I just obviously connect with her in so many ways. <laughs> I wonder why. 
So here is some of Sachi's picks for memoirs. So the first book that I chose is When They Call You a Terrorist by Patrice Con Colors. And um, I listened to this back in May and I still find myself thinking about it frequently. So that says to me that this is a really important book um, as part of my reading experience. Um, but just a general plot, this book is, I would say, just such a powerful memoir illustrating what it means to be a black woman living in America. I myself, I'm half Japanese. So being biracial, I kind of understand and relate to experience of a person of color as well as, you know, being white as well and not feeling 100% being in either camp. So I really love reading about people of color because I can really identify that to my experience of being half Japanese. But this experience, this author experiences firsthand the the prejudice and the persecution of Black Americans uh, by law enforcement, not only from her own experience, but also with witnessing um, the experience and what happens to her brothers as well. And she was literally called a terrorist for speaking out and starting the Black Lives Matter movement. And this memoir is just incredible and explores themes of race, um, sexuality and identity, as well as, you know, just survival. And I was so honored to have read it. I would highly recommend it to, to anyone that can get their hands on it. It's such a timely and important read. And I feel like everyone should read it regardless of their race. I wanted to mention, I um, listened to this on audio and I would highly recommend that listeners who love audiobooks would consider getting this on audio. It's read by uh, Patrice Con Colors herself. And I really feel like that really added to the experience of my consumption of the book. And you, you can really tell when she talks about some of the harder times in her life, you can really see that emotion play out when you're listening to the audio. And I just feel like it adds an extra layer of sincerity and just genuine kind of feelings uh, from what she experienced and trying to get that point across to the reader, I would highly recommend the audiobook for this uh, because I think it really added to my experience. Um, I think on this one, I, I just feel like I followed the Black Lives Matter um, movement on the news and social media, and I just, I never really knew the origins of how it was created. I kind of learned about it more at, at its height or its peak. And this memoir really opened my eyes to the extent of injustice towards black people and how this movement was created and just the strong and inspirational women that were behind, you know, this ongoing movement was just super valuable to me. I was really thankful and honored for the experience. So I would highly recommend this to anyone who's looking for any type of current event or cultural read or political read. This should be at the top of the list. Okay, so my second book uh, or pick is Monsoon Mansion by Sunnell Barnes. And I finished this memoir earlier this month, and it completely blew me away. I've been recommending this book to anyone I can talk to who is interested in reading uh, a great nonfiction memoir. I belong to this wonderful book club of Asian American readers that I recently found on Instagram. Um, shout out to that group of lovely ladies. They're wonderful. And we originally planned on reading this book in two parts. This was our very first kind of book club pick. We wanted to focus on books about the Asian experience since we're all Asian American. Um, and we loved this book so much that our two-part discussion 
just turned into one part. We already had a date picked out for the first one. Everyone was done by the time that date rolled around because we were so engrossed by, by this book. And we had two Filipino women in our group out of the six of us, and they were able to relate so closely to Sanel's experience. And I was so happy not only to learn about the author, but also to learn about the lives of those two lovely ladies. So just that little bit of background on how that book made its way to me, but a little bit more about Monsoon Mansion. It's this heartbreaking yet powerful memoir about a Filipino family who lost their fortune in uh, the the 1990s. The author is, is very honest about her family's downward spiral, her just devastating childhood experiences and her complicated relationships with her family members, especially with um, her mother. And um, the book is told in two parts, as I mentioned before, and the story paints a picture of the Philippines, which is an area I've never read about before and reflects an Asian experience that I was grateful to read, you know, like I was saying before, I'm Japanese. And I feel like a lot of the times, a lot of Americans take kind of the Asian experience and just lump all of the Asian cultures into one and just kind of have, this is what a general Asian experience looks like for Asian Americans. But the Asian American experience is very different than even the Asian experience and all the cultures within that Asian population is just so different. So some of the pieces that I was able to relate to as a half Japanese person, is very different than the experience that my two Filipino friends, you know, experienced because the cultures are completely different. They're two different countries. And I was thankful to read about that experience. And I'm trying to kind of widen my experience of not only reading about the Japanese experience, but to learn more about the Chinese experience, the Korean experience, Filipino experience, and and all the other Asian races within that, that genre. So I was really thankful for that experience and was so happy that Senel wrote this book. Yeah. So, um, I, I read this book in hardcover and as far as the writing style goes, I really feel that playing this book out in two parts was really important. Part one really more reflects the family's kind of rise into, into wealth and how this, this huge mansion in the Philippines, you know, was created for their family and how they built their wealth. And at the end of part one, um, it's kind of left in a little bit of a cliffhanger of, you know, the, the kind of foreshadowing of the downfall of this family. And part two is stark contrast, just very different experience of kind of where things go downhill and how their family kind of gets torn apart. And you can really see um, the author's range with how different the experience was, which I had to keep reminding myself this book reads like fiction. So if you're a person who's interested in nonfiction, but doesn't necessarily want to read a very nonfiction-y type book, this book reads like fiction. And I had to constantly remind myself, you know, I was thinking, wow, these characters are so complex and so layered. And I'm like, no, these were real people. Like this is something that really happened to someone's family. And I was just captivated by how honest and how vulnerable Sanel uh, was in her writing. And I'm sure it was extremely difficult to visit that tough time in her life, but I was really thankful that she wrote this story so I could learn more about that experience, even though it was probably very difficult for her. So I really liked that structure of having that part one and part two and having that point of view from, from her standpoint, um, part more one is more of her childhood and part two is a little more when she's older, but 
I thought it was really interesting to have both those pieces together in the same book and see how different they were to each other. So just final thoughts on Monsoon Mansion. I absolutely loved this book. Um, If you're, if you want to learn more about the Philippines or the Filipino experience, this would be perfect for that piece. I was just so captivated by this book and I haven't seen it, I guess, talked about a lot. I know the group that my book club that read this together, we had such a rich discussion and we've been really trying to promote it and uh, tell everyone, Hey, you should check out this book. Um, But I really, really love this book and this author. And I really would hope that people would consider putting this on their list because it's such a beautiful story. But overall, so my first pick, When They Call You a Terrorist by Patrice Kahn Cullors, I would highly recommend this to anyone who's interested in learning about Black Lives Matter, um, learning about the Black experience or even um, the female Black experience specifically. And if you're just kind of lost on exactly how to get through race relations or um, what the Black Lives Matter movement is or why it's important, definitely, definitely read this book. I feel like this should be required reading for everyone, regardless of your race or or anything. I feel like this is such an important read. And I, I know a lot of people um, have been talking about it, so that's wonderful. But I would really love to see this in the hands of everyone uh, who'd be open to reading it. And then the second book, Monsoon Mansion by Sunel Barnes, If you're someone who loves, you know, very lyrical writing, something you can really get through very quickly um, because it's so captivating, this is the book for you. If you're interested in reading about the Asian experience, um, but the Filipino experience specifically, I feel like there's a lot of titles about the Korean experience or Chinese experience or even Japanese, but I feel like Filipino books are harder to find. This is a perfect book if you want to kind of enter into reading authors of uh, Filipino descent. And the story is just it's breathtaking, in, in my opinion. I cannot gush about this book um, anymore. And I think if you love memoirs and you love kind of seeing an experience from the good, bad, and the ugly, this is this is the book for you. And I would highly recommend it to anyone who loves reading memoirs. So those are my two picks. Well, thanks to Sachi for recommending those amazing books for the podcast. Definitely go and check those out. And you can find links to her bookstagram page and her reviews in our show notes. So Kendra, what are you reading now? So I'm going to talk about a book that I had originally intended to talk about for this episode, um, and that is The Trauma Cleaner by Sarah Krasnostein. So this won Australia's Victorian Prize for nonfiction. And I had started it earlier this, uh, I guess, early in the summer, very beginning of the summer. But as many of you know, I have chronic daily headaches and migraines, so I couldn't finish it in print, and I cannot get my hands on the audio. But so far, I'm halfway through. It is amazing. And so I wanted to still be able to tell you guys about it. And this is about Sarah's experience following uh, a woman around who is a trauma cleaner. When there is a murder or a suicide or a person might be a hoarder, this is the kind of cleaner that you would hire to clean up something like this. And actually, the woman that Sarah's following around is actually a trans woman. And so you start at the very beginning of this woman's life and you move forward uh, to the present. And so there are alternating narratives of the past and then of the present where Sarah is actually actively following this woman around. It is so incredibly beautiful. And I have no idea why more people aren't talking about it. And as soon as I finish reading it, get a chance to finish reading it, I'll be reviewing it and posting it in the newsletter and on our Instagram. But 
It is it's an amazing book. Like I just am wild and I found it very page turnery. It's just it's a really great book. So what are you reading, Autumn? So I'm reading Ponty, or I'm about to start, I guess I should say, Ponty by Charlene Teo. So I just got a copy of this book and it just came it is by the time this episode comes out, it will have just come out in the US by Simon and Schuster. And it is a multi perspective book about female friendships and the blurb actually says it's for fans of Elena Ferrante so sign me up well there you go right exactly um so it follows a teenager zoo I apologize if I've butchered that name who lives in Singapore and it says that it touches on themes of non-belonging isolation zoo has lost her her mom who is an actress and so the title comes from a movie remake that I believe her mom was in not 100% sure. So anyway, it it seems really amazing, and I've heard really good things about it, so I'm eager to jump into it. Yeah, and there's been so much buzz about this book, because like a few months ago when it came out in the UK, uh, a reviewer gave it a really scathing review, and it made like this whole controversy about reviewing come up, and more people have picked it up and said they actually enjoyed it, and it's been so interesting to follow. Yeah, I'm... Like I said, I'm eager to jump into it. She's won a bunch of awards in the UK and seems to be more well-known over there, but hasn't made it quite over here yet. So, you know, it always takes us a while to get these books. So, yeah, I'll just insert rant from a previous podcast. So that's what I'm going to be reading next. Before we end the podcast, let's hear a little bit about what Sachi's currently reading. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, okay, so I'm currently reading um, I'd Rather Be Reading by Ann Bogle right now. I was lucky enough to be part of the launch team and get an advanced copy. And I am I think I have about 20 or 30 pages left. I'm almost finished. And it is just such a delightful read. This is would be perfect for any of the listeners because it's so relatable just for people who absolutely love to read. There's so many parts that I flagged as, oh, yes, that I... I've experienced that and I can totally relate to this. And it's, Anne is just such a wonderful person. If you haven't uh, listened to her podcast, what should I read next? So I'd highly recommend that as well. But I've been thoroughly enjoying that book and it's a quick read. It's a fun, cute book. So I'm reading that currently. Um, And I'm also reading A Kind of Freedom. I'm reading that on my Kindle. And I would say I'm about a third of the way through that one. Um, So not super into it yet. So I haven't really formed uh, an opinion on it. I really love it so far. There's uh, it's a generational story. So I'm kind of reaching the second generation um, within that book and um, can't really, or can't wait to uh, dig into that book more because I've heard so many good things about it. And then my next read, I think I'll, I'm going to pick up when Dimple met Rishi because the author, I think it's Sonia Menon, she will be at the Decatur Book Festival. So I'm hoping to meet her and get my book signed. So my best friend who's coming with me, she's very enthusiastic about YA. I don't read a lot of YA. So she was like, we have to meet her and I want you to read this uh, YA book with me. So we're buddy reading that and we're going to discuss it on the way down. So I'm excited for that. So that's it for this episode. And if you haven't already, we would love it if you would go review us in Apple Podcasts in particular. Uh, reviewing us there helps other people find us and gives us a little bump in that algorithm. You know, all know the struggle with that. Uh, and if you haven't already, you should definitely check out our newsletter. We review books and there and we talk about new books. And we also announce our discussion books early there. So if you want a head start to be able to read the books that we pick every month for our discussion books, which are 
are sort of like our book club picks, uh, you definitely want to go check out our newsletter and that will be linked in our show notes. So be sure to join us next time where we will be talking about heartberries and why be happy when you could be normal. In the meantime, you can find Reading Women on social media at The Reading Women. You can find Kendra at Katie Winchester and me at Autumn Privet. And you can also find Q&As with authors and our show notes and a lot more resources and information about the Reading Women Challenge on the readingwomenpodcast.com. So be sure to check that out and it'll all be linked in our show notes. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.